say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you want it to be Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh man, we've got another great show for you. Uh, listen, if you've never joined us here on A New Direction, I just want to let you know something. What, what are we about, right? A lot of people go, yeah, why, why am I tuning into you? Right or why am I watching you on you know because we're available at 250 million homes worldwide and people go well, why why am I should even watch well well you know what I interview uh, best-selling award-winning authors from all over the world on success and leadership for your business your life and your career all right that's what we do on this show well today's show is right in line with all those things that we do every week the book is entitled Claim Your People at Work. Uh, how inclusive leaders keep their employees engaged and productive. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. By the way, it's by Dia Irby, who's going to be joining us in just a minute here. Let me just ask you a question. If you're a business owner, if you're uh, a CEO, if you're a manager, do you want your employees more engaged and productive? I'll wait for the answer. The answer is yes. Was that too long? Sorry. I, I, I Hopefully, I didn't waste too much of your time doing that. <clears throat> yeah, of course we do, right? But I want to take another twist to this book because, you know, Dia says inclu how inclusive leaders keep their employees engaged and productive. But let me ask you something, employee. Would you like to be more engaged and productive at work? Ooh. Because the one thing that I found out when I started reading this book, I started thinking about, of course, from the leadership standpoint, but then I started thinking about from the employee standpoint. What can you do? to be more engaged, right, and productive at work. And the principles in this book, I believe, if you're looking for a career, are going to help you choose the right career for you. If you follow her advice. The, 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 the acronym is CLAIM, and we're going to get into that to the show. But the truth of the matter is, as much as it is for leaders, you as an employee, when you're making a place to go hire, be hired, you need to be claimed. You need to implement claim into your into the decision of where you're going to go to work. And when you get there, you know what? There are some things that you can do from the bottom up to help you become claim, as we're going to talk about. Well, I know you, you go, that's a little confusing. No, 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 no. It's not. But we, we will get to it, and we'll get to Dia in just a second. But before we do that, let's do what we do every week on the show. Listen, we're four-part people. We're physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. That's just a fact. We just are. And, you know, we've got to be working on all four of those areas every single day. If we're not working on those areas every single day, we're not static. The truth is we're not growing. And if we're not growing, we're dying. We're falling behind. So on this show, what we do is we have you evaluate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 in each of these areas. So, for example, <coughs> excuse me. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable, 10 being outstanding, how would you evaluate yourself physically in terms of eating right, getting enough exercise, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep? How would you do that? 5 being average. Okay, now listen, whatever the number is, right, that's not what's important. That's your starting place of where you're going to grow from. Okay? So if you're a 3, how do you get to a 3.5? If you're a 7, Right? How do you get to a 7.25? Is there something that you can change in your physical lifestyle right now that can improve you? That's all we're asking. Okay? 
So that's your first number. Second number is the mental intellectual number, right? Listen, don't be a couch potato and think that stuff is going to come at you. You have to be an active participant in your learning and growth and knowledge. And you need to be growing in, in yourself personally, but you should be growing professionally. That's why you listen to this show, because we do both, right? But you know what's another active way, a great active way to be, be grow in knowledge and, and learning and understanding and me, your mental and intellectual capacity? Read a book. This one's pretty good. I like it a lot, in fact. All right. The third area. So what's your number there? Intellectually. All right. It's your second number. Third number. It's the emotional number. Listen, I am, I am a big, huge fan of Daniel Goleman. I, I, I've read his work. Uh, Dia talks about in the book EQ, e, uh, emotional quotients, emotional intelligence. We break it down real simple here. Here it is. How well are you able to control your emotions under stress and pressure? That's the first part. And then the second part is how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of another person? On a scale of one to 10, how would you evaluate yourself? Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, the first one, you know, is all about self-control, right? But the second one really involves what we call active listening. Not just listening, active listening. It means that you're really engaged with the other person. You're really trying to understand their emotional well-being. You're really trying to understand where they're coming from. And you're really trying to really, truly see it from their perspective. Sometimes we call that empathy. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say you're doing emotionally? All right, finally, the spiritual area. You know what? Uh, people go, well, I don't know that I'm really all that spiritual. We're all spiritual people. We just are. You remove the physical, mental, and emotional. You know what you have left? You have a spiritual part of you. We all live by faith. Whether you drank your cup of coffee this morning and thought it wasn't poisonous. We, we, you turned on your car believing it was going to start. You've made plans in the future that you believe are going to happen. That's faith. But the truth of the matter is, you know, when it comes to the spiritual part of ourselves, you know, we talk about the spirit, the human spirit. But when it comes to the spiritual part, you know, it's like asking, can you tell me where the wind comes from? Can you show me the wind? Right? We can't see it, but we can see the results of what the wind does. That's how you know that you're spiritually in tune. What are the fruits of your spirit? Right? And so when you evaluate that, you know, you, you say, you know, what gives you peace in the midst of chaos? You know, can you have joy in the midst of chaos? You know, maybe you do that through God or maybe you do it through nature or meditation, whatever it is. The question is, is it working for you? And if it's not, then what do you got to do to change it? So on a scale of one to 10, how would you evaluate yourself spiritually? Now, those four numbers are like the air in the tires of your car. If one of those areas are really, really low, like a flat tire, what happens? The car veers, it doesn't run right, and you're fighting it all the time, and you're fighting to, to make it stay, and you, over time, you're going to ruin the car. And if all four tires are too low, then what happens is your tires right, are going to eventually ruin the car. Well, speaking of someone who's got all her tires filled to the right level, her name's Dia Irby. In 2012, Dia moved, from, moved north to North Carolina with her husband and uh, her last of her eight children. Uh, she's originally from Mississippi. Um, Dia has lived in five southern states in 15-plus different homes serving churches with her pastor husband for over 35 years. She previously owned the Baron York Tea Room in North Georgia for seven years and published 
a book called A Dollop and a Pinch, Recipes and Stories from the Bear in York. She's a TEDx and international speaker and an award-winning author. She enjoys travel uh, all over the world, and she loves to visit her eight children, 19 grandchildren, and occasionally... Dia has participated in triathlons. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show for the first time and welcome uh, to A New Direction, Dia Irby. Welcome, Dia. Thank you, Coach Jay, for that wonderful, warm welcome. You read it just like I wrote it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did tweak it a little bit. I, 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 I did tweak it somewhat. That's not perfectly the way you wrote it. I did tweak it a little bit. Um, really enjoyed the book. Uh, I feel like we really need to dig into it right away because we've got a lot to cover here. So let's just go ahead and do that right now. Uh, in chapter one, uh, by the way, you've divided this book up into uh, sections, and the first section is called Assessment. First chapter is called The Great Resignation. Um, you say, uh, you, you've got a bunch of statistics here. You said the estimated cost of employee disengagement in the United States economy is between 450 and $500 billion. You then go on to say that uh, the cost of replacement was on the average 213% of their annual salary for highly skilled employees. You'd say the national average turnover rate in 2020 was 57.3%. Number of people who left their jobs due to quitting layoffs, discharges, uh, or any other separation in 2021 was 6.2 6 million people. Uh, companies lose 18% of their workforce to turnover each year on the average. It just goes on and on and on, and it just doesn't sound like good news. Help us kind of make sense of these statistics and why they're so important when we talk about claim. People, I've heard it said, people were not quitting their jobs. They were quitting their bosses. Mm, mm. And, of course, everybody had a reset during the pandemic. Right. People got home and they were working remotely, realizing, wait, I don't really like going to work in that <laughs> office. <laughs> oh, wait, I don't have to sit through traffic for an hour to get there right. and get on my computer. I can do it at home. Hey, boss, can I keep working at home? No. Okay, I'll find another job. Right. right. Those were just some of the elements. If you have created as a leader, if you have created a place that people can't wait to get to because they feel so supported and they feel like they belong and they don't want to miss anything, mm. then you're going to keep them and they're not only going to stay, you're going to take your business to the next level because mm. they care. They have ownership. Mm. And, and, you know, here's the thing that I think, you know, if you're a business owner, um, and I hope you're listening to this really, really carefully. You know, the truth of the matter is people have more options today than they ever had in terms of finding some place where they do fit. And you have to ask yourself, I think, based on what I'm reading in your book, the leaders have to ask themselves some really hard questions here. And the first one is, am I doing everything I need to do to make sure that I'm taking care of my people? And, you know, we could talk about Chick-fil-A forever because they do such a great job of that. Yes. But they have, it is a great example, though, of the, what they do, not just to hire, but how they continue to take care of their people and people love working there. And it's not that they get, it's not about the money. Mm -mm. And everybody wants to go towards the money, but money is not the answer, is it, to keeping people? 
Well, it does help to get paid, but it is not, <laughs> it is not always the deciding factor. Right. The Chick-fil-A that's three blocks from my house, I, I have a friend whose daughter works there, and the manager there who became a, that franchise owner after going through all the training and being qualified, they're very selective. It's very hard to get a franchise. He invites the new hires and mixed with others over to his home for a cookout mm. to get to know them, to support them mm. because he cares about them as people, mm. not they're filling in the blank and they can reach the chicken out the sandwich out the window mm. that he that is what they're taught how they're taught to create this culture where people are know that they're seen and heard and they're included you ask in chapter four you ask some really important questions and i thought maybe we should kind of to talk maybe about a few of them the first question you ask is who am i leading and what are they like? Why is that an important question for leaders to ask? You need to know their personality types. You need to know uh, who you're attracting. You know, who is it? Who are the people that you need around you? And what? how can you describe them when you're building your staff or in increasing your business? You need to know the people who they are they're not you know everybody has different personalities of course but they also have communication styles mm -hmm. one person may need a, a visual like send a video message hey don't forget to this or would you please this some people need it written out they have to see it if they're not remembering what you're asking them or telling them then you may not be communicating in a way that they can receive it. Also, some people are processors and they may, you just have to know your people. Who is it that you're leading? Yeah, I, you know what? I think when people talk about vision, right? And you make a distinction between vision and mission because vision is the more long-term. These are vision questions to me. Um, you know, when you're creating your culture, you have to have a vision for your culture. And, and, and I believe it start, I think that question, that first fundamental question, who are you leading is so important as part of your vision because you may have a vision for the company, but if you don't have a vision for the type of people that you're leading, that's going to affect your hiring, isn't it? Exactly. And that's, you need to onboard people that will fit in that. So you need to know, be able to define your target, your give your avatar of the person that will be in alignment. And it's not so that they can fit in. It's not like I'm being selective and only people that can fit in, which I've been told is not uh, a um, positive way to say that, but someone that you are in alignment with mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. that both of you can work together for a common vision, for a common mission. So defining that avatar, who is it some, you know, in your culture, there are multiple kinds of cultures and except for the ones that are toxic, mm -hmm. 
there are multiple right ones. Like, do you have a laid back, creative, sitting on beanbags kind of culture that is because it is in alignment with where you want to go with your company or your team? I mean, this this applies to anyone yeah. who is in a leadership position, whether it's yeah. a company or a committee yeah. or a nonprofit. Or do you do you want to portray a vision of business like you know suits and not be the casual? But what what do you want? So you need to know who it is that you want to attract. And and then it leads to another question that you asked that I think that we we are so unaware of this question i believe and that is what are my values that one's a huge question because i don't believe you know when i ask people what are your values they kind of scratch their head you know that they haven't thought through it talk about why knowing your values clearly in terms of your vision is so important if you're going from point a to point b and you have your values and you know what they are if your value that you want to have is, well, let's take Chick-fil-A. They have a value of customer service. Mm. All right. So right. if that is a high value for them, they really value customer service, then they need to do whatever it takes for the people working there to have that same focus, that same value. If they, uh, so they train people and then people that feel valued know that they can spill out that customer service to other people. Mm. If you have a value of, um, you know, being on top of the market with advertising or, or truth in advertising, that is a, a, a North star that will make sure that you are researching to make sure the information you're giving is true. You, know, you, you need to know, am I going to be um, consistently honest? Mm. Mm. Am I going to respect other individuals, mm. whatever and whoever they are, but respect them as a person? Mm. You know what? You need to know what your values are. And that leads me to the next question of the many questions that you asked, though, that I think is so important and one that we don't ask. What type of workplace culture is needed for success? The workplace, yes. So asking yourself that, mm -hmm. and like I referred, if you are a, you want to be a hotbed of ideology, uh, you know, ideation. You want people to be able to think outside the box. Putting them in a little cubicle mm -hmm. <laughs> with uh, three blank walls and a computer is not going to encourage creativity. Mm -hmm. You need if you need people to have their head down and on the numbers, they don't need distractions around them. Right. How can you build a cult? But wherever that is, it's recognizing the people that you're you have that are working for you and seeing them as individuals and, that are important and valued. Mm, that's beautiful. They're not assets. They are, but they need to be seen or felt as more than just an asset. Right. Because when we, when we start labeling people as an asset, we dehumanize them. Right. 
right? I mean, truly, we start dehumanizing because if it's it's why you know it's why I have this problem with the word leads when we call people leads, it's dehumanizing. You know, when businesses say, "Well, I need more leads," when and, and what, they're, it's, yeah, it's, they're it's a, a, um, an on ramp to a transaction, right? Right, um, and it starts to dehumanize people, and and because now you're not treating them with as a name at that point, and and. I just think it's an important distinction. Um, uh, you, you're listening to, by the way, uh, Dia Irby um, claim your people at work, uh, how inclusive leaders keep their employees engaged and productive. And you're listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy, my physical therapist. I think you should be your physical therapist too, by the way. Listen, they work with professional athletes from all over. They also work with people like you and me, whether we're suffering from everyday aches and pains or we're recovering from surgery or whatever it may be. Look, here's the deal. They're going to customize a treatment program that's just for you. So you, when you're ready for epic relief, epic recovery, epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors, for more than 38 years, they have helped people transition in life. And you say, I don't understand. I thought they were a real estate company. Well, you know what the truth of the matter is? Wherever place, think about it. Every place you ever lived, it's been a life transition, hasn't it? Something has changed in your life. Well, they start, they realize that they want to help make that transition as smooth as possible as they can from their point of view. And that is the home purchasing and home selling process. So when you're ready for your next transition in life, go with the transition experts. Go with Linda Craft Team Realtors. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot. And we're back here on A New Direction with Dia Irby and her book, Claim Your People at Work, How Inclusive Leaders Keep Their Employees Engaged and Productive. And um, now, Dia, uh, comes the answer. How do I do this? And this is where the word claim, C-L-A-I-M, comes in. And so now we've got to talk about claim because this is your process that you've built uh, to help and, and, and it works. That helps companies um, help their employees become more engaged and productive. So let's just go start right into what claim is. Um, one of the things that you say uh, before we talk about it is you use the term facets instead of elements. Help us understand why you use the word facets when it comes to claim versus elements. That these aren't just elements, that they're facets. Right. I I came up with this acrostic because I wanted to succinctly explain a strategy of leadership to build a culture of belonging. And as I looked at all the different parts, the claim word came up and I call each letter a facet of that leadership because if you do the C, you do it because of L and people feel A and each one. And so there was no way to say mm. these are steps. You don't do them in order. These are uh, separate. So facet was the best word I could think of because if you look at a diamond and we are all diamonds, if you look at a diamond, it has facets and all those facets work together to create the diamond. You can't say, oh, I like that third facet. I'm going to take that off of the diamond. You can't. You can't separate it. So all five of these letters and the strategies, the approach to that leadership, they 
fold in on each other and they work together. And that is why I call them facets. I love it. All right. So let's, let's dig into the first facet because, you know, like a diamond, they're all connected. Um, it's really that you can't, you can't really have one without the other. It's like trying to take a facet off a diamond and thinking that you have, it just doesn't work. So I get it. All right. So the first letter in claim is C and C stands for chosen. What do you mean uh, to help leaders understand that they, that somebody needs to be chosen? What, how does that all fit? We as human beings have a need to feel important. And I mean, who has not at some time in maybe elementary school felt, had the PE coach say, we're doing Friday dodgeball and I'm going to pick a team captain here and a team captain here and they're going to choose their teams. And whether you were the team captain or the first one chosen or the one that would rather be in the library and (laughs) chosen last or just stuck on the team, it impacted you knowing that you're chosen. And if you're married, someone along the way chose you and gave you that important question, will you marry me? We all know the value of being chosen. So as a leader, you're leading people. You're not just adding assets for people to know that they're chosen means that they are selected. They are included and they know that they have value. So the chosen part in the book, I talk, I address the onboarding or what you're looking for and, and making sure that you're in alignment with the person that you're interviewing or choosing to add, but being chosen, we all want to be chosen. And so as a leader, why not? Make sure your people know, even if you inherited them, you're now the in charge of a team and you inherited this group of people, you can acknowledge the fact that you're glad they're part of your team. I mean, when we had, yes, we had eight children when they were all young, especially my husband would say, if all the children in all the world were lined up and God said I could pick one, <laughs> I would choose you. Mm. So, of course, you know, I would choose you and then, oh, wait, all the girl, we had a girl, then I would, the boys and then, well, and then five-year-olds and you had to, but we would still choose them. Right, 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 right. You, you know, here's, here's something that you said when it comes to hiring and being chosen. And I thought this was really important. You said, if you hire people because they turn into an application, it is as much like being, having a participation trophy. And, and that, and I, I, I really thought about that and I was like, wow, that is so true. So often we get so desperate to hire, we just hand out participate participation trophies based on applications, but it really speaks clearly to, do you know your hiring process and who you want to hire? Which goes back to the very first question, who, who are your people? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and then you, you give a staggering statistic here by Stacy Garland of Vervo, where she says as much as 80% of employee turnover is a result from bad hires. Yeah. So how important is, you know, making sure that you have a good choosing process? Very important. And, and also 
if you have to wait, if you haven't found the right person, it's, it's almost like marriage, you know, well, he asked me, so right. I guess I'll marry him. Uh, but wait, he's not right for you, as everyone <laughs> has been telling you. Yeah, but he asked, and I want to get married. Well, no, wait for the right one. Same thing with leaders. If you're hiring, wait for the right one. You'll only pay in mega bucks and in pain and monies with the divorce. Mm, yeah, right. Well, and you you say in this in this section of chosen. You, you, you do tell people that, you know, uh, we have to be extraordinarily careful about our biases when it comes mm-hmm. to hiring. And um, I just want to throw out some of these biases and comment them as, as you will. Uh, but here's some of the ones I thought are really important. One is called similarity bias, right? That we hire people like ourselves. There's a tremendous danger in that, isn't there? Well, you're not getting a, the, the variety and the diversity that you need if everybody's like you, then and and maybe they have your your strengths, then they also have your weaknesses, and you don't have anybody different than you with right. different strengths. Right, right, right. Uh, um, the, the, one of the other ones that I found was really interesting is the bandwagon effect bias. Right, that you know sometimes they do these group interviews right and so they interviewed the candidate everybody else likes them so they go in and hire them because everybody else likes them i mean right the band the, the bandwagon effect can be a problem can it yes yes it can and because you're not looking at you're not looking at the big picture and evaluating all the parts you're just going oh well everybody likes them right well then is everybody going to fire them when they don't work out <laughs> <laughs> well i think Right. I mean, but I think also the truth is this, it demonstrates a need for having a clear systematic process of hiring and who you're going to hire, right? Because then you can avoid the biases is if you, if you know who the people are and you're very, very clear, and it goes right back to that very first question. And that is what, and what you said, and that is how clear are you on the avatar that you have to have in order to be successful in the culture that you've created. Right. And the more hoops someone has to jump through, mm. the more that they disqualify themselves, you know, mm. if they can't get through. I did hear, and I wish I could remember it, there was a, someone that works with helping people hire. He created a board game that you might have a number of uh, people working that are interviewing, has them play a board game together and, and watching how, you know, does someone get real competitive? Is someone supportive? Are they, you know, and you wouldn't necessarily have to order the, whatever it was, $500 board game, but you could, you know, invite them in for a, right. a card game or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, I, I can't remember the person either, but I, when you, as soon as you said, it, I was like, Oh, that's right. There is this board game that you could purchase and you put the people in there and you can observe what their traits while they're playing this game. Yeah. Cause the game is designed to bring out the traits. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's designed to bring out these traits and I can't remember it either. Okay. Uh, all right, folks, listen, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to look it up and I'm going to find out what the name of that game is. I promise I mean, you. Put it in the comments. Yeah, I'll, I will. I will. I will try to find it for sure. 
Um, I'm going to give one more, and it's because um, uh, I, I think it's really interesting, and it's the contrast effect. And what we have, and it's it's really based on comparison, whether it's people who are people that we like or people that we dislike. And there's a danger there too, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, well, the thing about uh, biases is that they're unconscious, mm. usually, mm. mostly. Mm-hmm. And we don't we don't know that we have these biases. We just well, we think we're using our our own smartness so it does help to have a a, the process where you have other people with their input not the bandwagon but just other other opinions to help you know if you're being biased right i there's something that you said after this that kind of generated some thought process for me and and you didn't say it exactly this way but it's kind of how i interpreted it and that was you know you hired these people which means that you you have chosen them do you treat them as if you chose them? Now, you didn't say it exactly that way, but it's really what you meant. Because I think what happens is often we choose people to work for us, but we don't treat them as chosen. Mm. Because, right, because you, you, make the, you, make the, you make the comment like, how often do you ever, have you said to those people that you chose, I believe in you? Or you got this. Yes, you got this. Uh, and the impact it has. Mm-hmm. How you, I had a friend, a colleague, tell me about two different experiences she had in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. The first one, she, it was, a, I think it was maybe even one of her first jobs, if not her first job. And the boss that she had would give her these jobs that she just didn't think she could do, but her job, the boss would say, you got this, you can do this. And she would, she would, and then she would get another job that would stretch her more. And she just kept taking on responsibility and growing and, and making advancing up through the ranks. And, and she was, thrilled to go to work. Well, circumstances changed and she ended up at another job and she was all excited. She came with the enthusiasm. She was chosen, but nobody even actually acknowledged her existence. Almost the boss, it would, she would do above and beyond. She would never get recognized for that. It was just like, okay, we filled the spot. You're here. And after a while, she really she was relegated or she even put herself in the position of i'll just show up i'll do what i have to do i'll check the boxes and i'll go home quiet quitting lost the quiet quitter she lost her enthusiasm to be engaged and when we don't remind people that we're glad they're there that we've chosen them that we know you got this that they they lose interest. They they're not engaged anymore, well, and they, they get demotivated. De- yeah, right. I mean, we all, even if it is a participation trophy, right, right. We all do like to get uh, 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 some kind of certificate or recognition, which is the other facet of acknowledged and the power in that. Yeah. Well, let's get to that. Let's get to, well, before we get to acknowledge, though. Let's go to L. All right, the L in claim. So C is claim. So C is chosen. Uh, folks, you chose your people. Make sure they feel chosen. All right, next one is loved. All right, 
when you say loved, um, what do you mean by um, making sure your people are loved? Yeah, business people might think, uh, what's love got to do with it? I mean, <laughs> we don't want to be a huggy, kissy, kumbaya place. <laughs> no, <laughs> what I mean by love is it's an, a safe, secure environment mm -hmm. where a person is encouraged to be the person you hired them to be. Right. It they're able the leadership is, you know, the kind of love that's obviously not harassment love. It's the unconditional acceptance love. The love that says, I accept you for who you are. Now we may need to talk about that performance on that particular job. Right. But it's your performance we're talking about, not the value of you as a person. Right. And a loving, secure environment where someone can go to the leadership and say, hey, um, I messed up and uh, I just want to tell you about that and know that, you know, that can be worked through. Or, hey, I've got an idea about how to be more efficient in taking care of this project. And I want to talk to you. Are you the leader that has a loving approach that people feel that they can talk to you. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. Well, love is an action. You know, I mean, it, oftentimes you want to just completely associate it with an emotion, but love is action, right? I mean, you know, I mean, right. We talk about love being patient, love being kind, you know, um, you know, it doesn't get arrogant, you know, it doesn't boast. Right. I mean, but it's their actions, right. You know, and, yeah, we have to say hard things to people, but not because we're against them, because we love them and we care about them. And and I think, you know, and, and you, you mentioned this too, that, you know, love in the workplace is, is so motivated by action, but it also means that you not only care about what they're doing, you know, you love them and you want to see them be successful. I just had a coaching client I met with uh, this morning and I met with their team. And the thing that she said, you know, she was the last person I asked the question, you know, what are you excited about? You know, what good things? She said, you know, I love my team. And she said that in front of her team. She goes, I, I, I feel so proud when you guys are successful. And I thought about that in terms of what you wrote here. And I was like, well, isn't that demonstration of love? Here she is. She's the owner of this company. And she just told her people that she loved them and she wanted to see them succeed, you know? And, you know, I think that's where we're, what we're really talking about. And, and I'm not saying, listen, I'm not telling you that you have to tell your people that you love them. Although I don't think that's a bad idea if you really mean it. But I do think that we have to demonstrate care and openness, you know, and I think that's what you're talking about. Well, we mentioned, you mentioned emotional intelligence earlier and that's part of it. Yes. Being able to show empathy. Mm -hmm. If you are, emotionally if you have a high eq that means you can recognize your emotions you understand your emotions you can label it you are expressing it properly and you can regulate it all of that's from a book i'm reading permission to feel mm. if you have emotional intelligence then you are showing that love through empathy and understanding and helping people 
it's a loving thing to help people through a situation where they can handle it properly. Uh, is it loving for a parent to discipline their child so they don't run out in the street? Well, I hope so. Right, right, right. So it's, it's this, it, it, love does not mean that there's no correction. Right. But, but yeah, well, and you do make a point that ultimately it's about trust. If you love your people, you're building trust with your people. Yes. Right. I mean, and that's ultimately what you want your people to do is you want your people to trust you. And, mm -hmm. and that means you do have to make hard decisions sometimes. And it means that sometimes you do have to, you know, discipline is part of it, not out of anger, discipline out of love. And that's a way different thing. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Which is how any discipline should be. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Her name is Dia Irby. Uh, the book, Claim Your People at Work, How Inclusive Leaders Keep Their Employees Engaged and Productive. We got three more letters to go. We're going to be right back right after this. Hey, folks, uh, Epic Physical Therapy. Do you know that Epic Physical Therapy has the most up-to-date, um, uh, advanced top-line equipment available? Things like the anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, the Game Ready. They, they're trained in the most cutting-edge treatments like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping. That's just a few. Listen, when you're ready for your epic relief, epic recovery, epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors. For more than 38 years, they've been helping people transition in life. You know, because every place you've ever lived is a transition in life. And they have been doing it successfully, helping thousands of people all over the world, right? They're independently owned and operated, unaffiliated with any national or international company. They are a locally owned company, and that gives them an advantage to being able to have connections with people all over the world, finding the best professional for you. So listen, when you're ready to make that transition, whether it's selling your home or buying your home, start with Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction with my friend, Dia Irby, and uh, hopefully she's enjoying this as much as I am, because I'm certainly having a good time going through this. Uh, you having a good time, Dia? I am. I love, I love sharing with an audience, and thank you. You're a fabulous host. Thank you. Uh, all right, so let's dig into the letter A. So we've, got, we've done chosen, we've done loved, A is acknowledged. So help us understand that third facet. Well, who doesn't want to be acknowledged? Mm. You know, it uh, goes way back, like when you, you let go of that from cruising and you took your first step and the, everybody there was videotaping. Well, they weren't way back when I took my first step. Everybody's <laughs> like, yay, yay, yay. And it's like, ooh, that feels good. Somebody acknowledged that I accomplished something. That's one thing is being acknowledged for what you've accomplished. But there are other ways to acknowledge people. People, we, you, want to know that you're seen and heard and empowered. And there are two, actually three, simple, simple, put it in practice, cost-efficient way that you can change the world by acknowledging people. And one of them is, Jay, to call people by their name. Mm -hmm. When you're talking to people in the office or that you're leading, just use their name and practice this when you're out in the world buying something at the store. Look for the name tag. Or if you're ordering, always ask 
the name of your your waitress or waiter so you can use their name you may be the only person that whole day or maybe that week that has acknowledged that person has their own identity and they have their own name that's one way you can do it a second way and people don't do this anymore because they have their their cell phones oh yeah hey how you doing and i'm talking to you but i'm looking at my cell phone look people in the eye when you're talking to them and for those that are consumed with meetings <laughs> find your camera and look in your camera right. so that people see you looking through the lens to them right and my new favorite way to acknowledge people and it's more contagious than the flu I've discovered. And it's sort of like legal free drug dealing. It's smiling at people. Right. <laughs> when you smile, if you have caught their eye, their body involuntarily yep. creates a smile. Yeah. And your body, when you have a smile on your face, releases happy chemicals right. in your brain. Right. And, you know, oxytocin, all those. Dopamine. Yeah, dopamine. I call, right, yeah. yeah, I just call them happy chemicals. <laughs> I'm being real scientific about that. But can you imagine if you walk in to the office or in, in the boardroom or whatever, and you just look people in the eye and smile? Right. You've just dealt out free happy drugs. Yeah, I know. It's beautiful, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm not trying to do that. That's not what I'm doing here. But I have made it a practice to try to know every person in my grocery store right near me. And so I, st I, I started with the name tags, but now I know them by face. And so, you know, I know Brandy and I know Cam and I know Clayton and I know Jennifer and right Edith. And, and, I, and it's amazing when you, you know, when I walk through the store and they have my back turned, they have their back turned to me and I go, hi, Miss Edith. And she'll turn around and she's got, I'm smiling and she's got this big smile. It means, it's such a little thing that means so much to be acknowledged. It's, it's powerful. I, I, I can't tell people enough, you know, do your, I, I, you ask that, you know, do your, know your employees. Well, if you know your employees, you're going to acknowledge them, right? But the one thing that you do talk about in this chapter though, is you talk about acknowledging their differences. And I think that's incredibly powerful. That's yeah. There's well, there's so much to this facet, but and we kind of alluded to that when we talked about the avatars. Mm -hmm. But acknowledge the fact that each person is their own person, mm -hmm. and you can't lead unless you're a sheepdog with cows or sheep you you need to look at each individual and how they can best be their best selves by your style of leadership yeah yeah, it, yeah I, I i think i think one of the things that i pulled from that was everybody is unique and they bring their own unique gifts talents and abilities to the table and you need to acknowledge what those are and how they fit into your company because you chose them right right here's a practice i invite people to do or challenge if you want to be challenged instead of invited uh write down 
your top, if you have a whole bunch of people, write down maybe the top five or 10 and put beside each person's name, the what they bring of value to your company, to your committee, to whatever your situation is. And then make it a point to write a note to them. Thank you for how you are so strategic when we're having our planning or thank you for how you think outside the box and stretch us, whatever it is, make a list and say it personally, you know, go to them and look them in the eye and smile and tell them or write them a note. And if there's someone that you can't think of what they contribute, think deeper or it may be time to let them take their greatness to a place that they're more suited for. Yeah, that's beautiful. Beautiful. All right. All right, let's go to let's go to the I in claim. So we've got chosen, loved, acknowledged. I is invested in. What do you mean by invested in? There are multiple ways again on this facet that you can invest in people. You can invest with uh, training. Of course, a bonus. Who doesn't want a bonus? You can invest with money. You can invest with equipment. Like if you ask them to do a task, have you invested in the tools that they need to accomplish the task that you've given them? But the one cost efficient, again, mostly, that is the same as children spell love. T-I-M-E, investing time in your people. And this can be a walkabout, walking around if you're in an office. There was one, one person that had a habit of coming into the office. The boss would come in. He had a football in his hand. He'd look around, and if somebody looked at him, he'd throw a football to them, and they'd catch it, and he'd go over to their desk and spend five or ten minutes just Hey, how's it going? Tell me about how was your daughter's soccer game and just investing time. Yeah. That that return on investment is incredible. Mm. It engages them. It makes them want for you to succeed. They want to bring their best. They're saying, hey, he invested time in me. I'm important. Mm. And Doug Conant, I mentioned in the book about the Campbell Soup Company. He invested time in writing notes to all of the people. Every you swept the floor with such precision, mm. you know, whatever. Over his time there, turning the company around, he wrote thirty thousand notes. Wow! Wow! That took time. Now, some of the people he wrote notes to, because it was back when they didn't have emails, so he had to write a note. Right. But. He spent the time investing in his people right. yeah. and turned the company around. It was it was about to, oh, no chicken soup? <laughs> <laughs> Woo, that was a close one. Yeah, right. Uh, that's awesome. All right. So we're, we're down to the last, last facet. It's the letter M, made for greatness. Help us understand made for greatness. How would you define greatness? What do you mean if someone says you're made for greatness? What? It, how would you define what greatness is? Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. I'm not used to being interviewed on my own show, but that's good. This is good. That's good for you. 
So, you know, I think greatness in terms of for people, and I'm not trying to sidestep it, but I think it's much like success, right? So I, I think people have to have their own version of success. I also think people have to have their own version of what is greatness to them. But when I look at it from a leadership standpoint in my people, I look at their potential of what they can do. What are the possibilities for excellence, right? And so when I look at, I, I think everybody has a possibility for excellence because I believe that we're all given a set of God-given uh, natural gifts, talents, and abilities that we just haven't tapped into and used them fully to explore a meaningful purpose that impacts the world around us. And so I believe in people that much that if they could tap into what they're naturally gifted at, and if they can exercise and utilize those gifts, then they're destined for greatness. That's how I look at it. And scene. <laughs> Perfect. So everybody has greatness yeah. because each of us is uniquely gift wrapped, if you will, yeah. for the world. It's like there's a big jigsaw puzzle and each piece, you know, you have a thousand piece puzzle and you think, yeah, well, this is just one little piece. Well, guess what? The picture's not complete if that one little piece isn't in its place right. with its particular color, its part of the pattern, its shapes that fits exactly there. I believe that everyone is created, like you said, with gifts, abilities, passions, experiences, knowledge, yep. everything wrapped together. And when they are able to bring that to the world, to fill in that hole in the big puzzle, that is being in their greatness. Yeah. And the world is waiting for them. Yeah. The world needs them because everything that they're supposed to do, everything that they're on earth for has already been designed for them to fill out those jobs and they impact the whole picture yep. of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that those unique talents, gifts, and abilities that they bring to the table, this is where bias can sometimes go in because, and why acknowledging differences is so important is because those differences and those gifts can do the same job that someone else is doing. It's just that they're going to do it in a way that's uniquely designed for them. That's going to bring power to the job. Absolutely. And the M, I kind of cheat. It's got two phrases and a word. So the second phrase is, if you are made for greatness and you are in the world being your greatness, yeah. you're going to make a difference. Yeah. yeah. You are going to be like a pebble thrown into the ocean of the world, making ripples on every shore you are going to make a difference. Mm. And everyone wants to know that they have purpose in being here and that they're going to make a difference. And the final M, the one word is, let your people know they matter. Mm. They matter. Mm. Yeah. So really it's claim. It's awesome. You know what? We've done our hour, uh, Dia. It's gone by. Yeah. yeah, it's gone by really fast. We've done an hour <laughs> already. Yeah. Yes, we have. 
Um, you've been really great. Uh, tell people how they get a hold of you and get your book. Well, they can go to Amazon okay. and find my book there. I made my website way simple. Okay. It's diaerby.com. Okay. Yeah. You can cool. remember my name. You can find me, diaerby.com. And my email, dia at diaerby.com. That's awesome. That's awesome. It makes it so easy. You've been absolutely tremendous. Thank you for being with me today. Stay with me, will you please? Hey, folks, this is the show. You know what I say to you every week, right? You are in control of three things in your life, regardless of your circumstances. And that is your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency. I know that things can be a struggle for you. I know that they can be tough for you. But you know what? Your attitude is something that you can control, regardless of what happens. The other thing is, you know what? You want to be excellent? No one can judge your effort but you. You choose your excellence by the effort that you give. And I know you may feel like you've been knocked down, but you make the choice to get back up again. So get back up again, because I know you can. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest. It's going to be another great book. It's going to be another great show. As I say to you all over the world, listen, you had a lot of choices. You chose us, and I appreciate that. And so give us a positive rating, if you will. As I say to you all over, ciao. Your dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength Don't worry anymore A new direction A new direction oh. A new direction Go. Cool.